0: Dear fellow explorers, welcome to this new episode of the Pearl Dialogues. My name is Wazi, and together with Eileen, I host this podcast. For those of you who are completely new to this, this podcast explores the nature of reality through the lens of the Diamond Approach. And the Diamond Approach is a spiritual path that basically leads to Radical transformation of human being. (laughs) That's my experience, at least. (laughs) And in this particular episode, I talk with Duncan Scribner, who is a long term teacher of this uh, this path, and he has also worked one to one with the founder Ah Almas. And in this particular segment and episode, we dive into what it means to work with someone for nearly 50 years. We also talk about the quality or the aspect of our being which involves not knowing, not being in the know, knowledge, not knowing. And another very interesting dialogue that emerges is around the future of this school as many of the first students of this path are now growing into their 70s and 80s and there is a shift in process happening. So it's a juicy conversation. I want to make a note that in the first part of the video You will only see duncan as i had my settings wrong but then eventually when we start start talking about the the future of the school uh, i i came to awareness of this and i was able to switch so that you will see both of us so this information is for the youtube watchers that's all i had to say for now and yeah enjoy this episode as always i invite you to listen with presence sensing your arms and legs which is a Practice in the Down Approach, which supports us in being in the now. Thank you. So, Duncan, I I read from your profile on the RID1.org or the Down Approach website that you've been in the school since 1976. Is that right? Yes, that's
1: correct. It, it was somewhere, it might have been 75, 76.
0: Yeah. And, and so mm, I read also that you, you t- contacted Hamid the first time, uh, Almas, Almas, the founder of the Down Approach over phone, and you had okay. a conversation with him. And, and from what I gather, you've been working with him ever since. True. Sure. Yeah. Can you share a bit about mm, Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it's such a big question that I realize when, when when it comes to me, but that journey in of itself of working with a private teacher for such a long time,
2: mm.
0: how has that been for you? How would you describe that relationship and, and that process? Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll frame it a little, as you said, um, that initial conversation with him. Uh, was extraordinary in a way it was very ordinary but at the same time uh, it says something about what the relationship has been all these years um a friend told me about this guy you know who was doing various things in and around denver at the time um i lived in denver and was Boulder centered uh, group but and she told me about him i got the phone number called him and there was like an immediate sense of uh i'm not going to say connection because he's on the other end and i described a little bit you know maybe i like to attend this or that um but i I I both felt something and knew something uh, in talking with him. And is it voice? Is it what is it? You know that I heard and related to, and that's been there throughout until yesterday. You know, until now, the the sense of ah, this person, this is coming from a place or know something that I don't know about. Um, I, I won't say still, I feel, I don't know about it. You see, back then, I, I don't know everything about it, but back then it was, I just knew, uh, and starting with first meetings and so on, I just constantly felt there's something really, really valuable here. And I wouldn't have known what it was um, at the time. And uh, still there's mystery to it all. But so there's just a sense of, okay, this is an important direction. And I was a science guy that I, I mean, I, 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 I'll say I still am, but you know, I was working in a lab I was, uh, You know working with animal models studying science thing you know and i was very much of a science guy with a science mind but at the same time i think i had whatever curiosity whatever leads any of us to explore this way was there um and i could i could go on and on about that how my science developed and this and that but um so the relationship throughout has had that element and always learning and of course the school developed from starting with just this ineffable what is going on here through development of the latayef and all the various more specific discoveries i'll say that were articulations of something already known that you know, have continued and developed, you know, throughout all these years.
2: Mm.
1: So that's sort of the first thing I think of, you know, um, in terms of what it's like. um, He's been the teacher, for sure, a friend, um, and um, it's an extraordinary relationship. It's, It's hard to pin down. You know, you, you can't give it particular words. Teacher and friend are some of the words. Mm. Magician, sometimes, somehow comes to my mind, but it's not like that kind of magic, you know. It's more like there's, there's more to be understood here. Always.
2: You
1: know?
0: Again, I'm reminded of how um, if, if 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 I do the math correctly, I think you've been working with Hamid for about 40 to 50 years. Is that correct?
1: It, it will be 50 in in another couple of years, yeah. Yeah, soon to be 50 years, one-to-ones. I keep telling them we, we need to have a, a big party here or some kind of event here in Colorado because here we've bought a new center. We're, we're building it. It's a beautiful building. It needs a little bit of this and that. I'm thinking, yeah. well, So I keep... Kind of nudging him. I don't know if it'll work. Okay, cool.
0: (laughs) A little celebration party.
1: Mostly he doesn't come here these days uh, for for some time. It's been more centered in in California. And and we go to big events uh, these days, of course, through Zoom, but um, Asilomar events, uh, what you probably do, excuse me, in uh, Eindhoven, here. Uh, So we see him there and this summer we will see him for the first time in
0: a few years. Due to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say in your experience is the value of having a private one-to-one teacher that you're committed to showing up with over time?
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Really great, great question. Um. I, I face this question a lot because o- over the years, I, as a teacher and a, and an organizer and a um, director of Colorado school functions here, um, we come to times where we have to, you know, address this question, you know, how do you let somebody know having an individual teacher is a good thing, is a really important thing for you? I, I always stop short of making it a requirement and saying you have to do this you see um, and so my own personal uh, preference is to let that come from the student let them hear how other people are experiencing their individual sessions with their teacher for instance and 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 let them find that they want to. Um, I think that's the best way to start uh, individual sessions but the different things can happen um in the privacy of a session with a teacher some of which can happen in a small group uh you are working one-on-one with the teacher but when it's just the two of you not with other people observing around you um i think one can just feel more open to not knowing um, and in our work of course knowing is a thing because the map is so detailed and people's mind can be you know believe that they should know and oh there's this quality and oh i'm experiencing that quality we can easily be drawn into that um, Habit which everybody has, you know, uh, to come from their mind, believe they should know, and all of that. But in an individual session, I think it's much easier to just forget all that. Um, and I think it's important for the teacher to also know that and to themselves let go of what they know. So I always tell people, I mean, it's been a long time now since I started working with anyone new. But back in uh, in those days when I did, I would always start a session by saying to the person, you know, we're going to be doing something you haven't done before. It's going to be a little unusual. I'll have you on a mat. I'll have you just doing nothing or breathing, or maybe making one, a movement of one kind or another or something. I might ask you questions, but mostly it's an adventure to find out what's going on inside you. And you don't need to know anything here. It's a brand new thing. It's, 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 it's adventure, truly. And most people, if the teacher can really communicate that well, it's okay to know nothing. And to just be on your back and going, hmm? enough, <laughs> right? Then things happen. I mean, thoughts happen. Uh, one's struggles can show up in a way without any kind of, you know, planning or judgment or anything else. And and then with different kinds of breathing, for instance, uh, things just happen. Things open up. But the most important part of that, I, I think, is just the embracing uh, not needing to know. Just as important for the teachers. Because we do know a ton. The, this The map is detailed, and, and so we could call it a map. And uh, I think we all are instructed, in a way, to just let go of that. Don't be thinking about it. Just explore. And the more we can do that, the more uh, the unusual can happen. And I think, as you know, most likely because you're doing this podcast adventure yourself, you you know there's something about just not even knowing what the hell's coming next. And only that way, really, do we end up you know, discovering interesting things about ourselves—things that we wouldn't think about. Mm-hmm. You know? like, like really understanding presence. We, we think of presence as a, as a, as a thing, as a, uh, you know, a thing to pursue, and so on and so on. But if you don't know anything at all. We initially might just discover a kind of stillness that we wouldn't necessarily recognize as uh, anything in particular. You know, quiet, silence, stillness. What's that? And our usual mind, of course, tries to fill it and avoid it. And what's that for, you know? Um, so that's the kind of thing I think we can easily find. Uh, well, not necessarily easily, but yes, if the setup is good, then that kind of uh, magic can happen. It's like ordinary magic, as, as someone once said, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Now that you brought in the realm of not knowing or really emphasis give emphasis to not knowing, I notice how that is showing up in the space. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And simultaneously, I have <clears throat> avenues of inquiries that we could explore even more deeply, one of which being going deeper into the process of working with a one-to-one teacher. I actually know from myself that um, it actually took, took me some time to, to really land with my private teacher. Um, it, I think it actually took me more than uh, more than a year and a half to really feel settled with my teacher, um, which I'm experiencing now. Um do you see that there are different phases of working with a private teacher? Because you speak about the continuity. You mentioned the continuity, how the sense of connection with you and Hamid is still there. And then you also speak to, <laughs> I mean, thinking about having worked with someone nearly 50 years is so vast. I'm, I, I can just imagine what you've been exploring together in those sessions. And... The journey of transformation the journey of experience the journey of exploration that you've been on personally and then also and 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 then with hamid uh, working with him so to, to to go into detail what you've discovered in those sessions is such a vast universe uh yeah so in terms of Do you, have you observed any patterns, any specific changes or shifts in your relationship with Hamid, working with him that you, that you feel is worth mentioning from your personal experience?
1: Shifts in the relationship?
0: Yeah. Or shift, either shifts in the relationships or shifts within yourself that you feel is linked to the private sessions that you've been having and the, um, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the the private sessions are always um, simply exploration of what is happening. Yeah. And again, to have that rigorous, um, you know, and interestingly, to call it rigorous, you see, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I'll try to explain. It. So the rigorous commitment to not knowing, not that someone is sitting there going. I, I should be not knowing. You see, so as soon as you're doing that, you're bringing in something telling you how you should be and everything, and that's hardly a not knowing space, you know. Um, but that's been just naturally there, let's say, uh, in my relationship with him. He, him, of course, more the not knowing than me. And me learning, I would say, over the years what what that is. Uh, um, I have one way of of putting this that seems useful sometimes. Um, It's like, as I described earlier, when my first conversation with Hamid, I wouldn't have said this then, but years later, maybe it was 10 years later or something, um, Hamid was here in our home. We... We he stayed with us sometimes when he would be here teaching in Boulder, and um, I remembered noticing or feeling, oh my goodness, he is completely here, and at the same time, completely not here, so that. Right, you get a sense of that. Like you're coming from a place, like you're the the place you live. Maybe we call it the assemblage point or something. Even though I think Castaneda used that in a little different way, but where you're coming from is some kind of completely not here. What, what we could call it vast something, vast space or absolute whatever terms we might give it you see it doesn't matter so you need to start giving it terms you're giving it location and then you're making it a something
2: yeah
1: right but i would say no the insight was and of course i was able to see this and i would say that this is something that i have learned from him uh over these years you're asking about shifts um so to notice that and we're just standing. In my kitchen, I remember exactly. I could tell you, interestingly, I don't know if you have this experience, but you sort of remember places you were when you, uh, I would say, learned or discovered or woke up to something important. Mm-hmm. I, I have kind of visual memory of things like that. So, this one, we're standing at our kitchen island and there's a little espresso machine there and we're just talking about something. And and I didn't say that to him or anything, but a little later I just realized, wow. And so the coming from some ineffable nothing place, but at the same time completely here, engaged, talking. You see? So, how do you understand that? Like you can be talking about something that's relevant for the moment in a way that's Completely unattached to where it's going to go. Um, it's just talking, It's like simple talking, and it it wasn't like like meaningless talking. I don't even remember exactly what we're talking about, right? You're just saying something. I mean, no, you're completely addressing something that's in our relational field, and yet. His uh, location, if we could call it that, and you know, it's hard to find words, but was completely you know, impossible to know. So again, back to the question of knowing and the importance of, of, uh, for a teacher. Not that it was his intention, you see, to be standing there teaching me something, you see. We're just talking. But it brings back and focuses a little bit the importance of, um, well, I'll say for a teacher, but I'll say for anyone, for any student of inner work and inner development, to understand more and more about what is it to um, like. Allow yourself to be worked in a way um, to more and more understand that kind of greater depth. And it's and it's sort of uh, contradictory in some way for our mind to understand it. Because we think, oh, we're going to get something. We're going to learn something. We're going to add something to our usual view. We're going to become more spiritual. We're going to no okay i'm gonna be like some um elaboration of my usually non-self i'm going to add something but really you know things are being uh, deleted in a way but at the same time one's able to show up in a way that appears completely and actually, really, very precisely, present to, exploring, helpful, right? But in a way that there's no intention, really, or no no intention of a self that's trying to do that, or that's even engaged in that. Mm-hmm. It's like it's coming from somewhere, but you, think, where's it really coming from? So that goes to the question of the self and of course and it says no there's not a self doing that you know it's usually a self where you feel like oh there's intention or there's an interest or you know how you can feel with some people there's like an edge there's like things you could grab onto and, and you feel they have a little agenda hmm. You know what i mean so, like the, the sense of agenda in someone mostly has some kind of sense of of self because it's important to them something happened with Hamid and I would say I would say that I've learned tremendously from him um, not just by observing him in the way I'm describing but through the learning and all of the teaching and all of the learning and all of the experience that I've had to find out more what that is you know to operate
0: without any agenda
1: I know there's more to say about that
0: so <laughs> more to say about everything that's coming up here. Um, yeah, so I, I for me, it speaks to the heart of open-ended inquiry <laughs> uh, you know this this dialectic or dynamic of not knowing and knowing. Um, and i can see myself in this so i see that while you're speaking i have things coming up that i feel would be valuable to bring into conversation so i'm using my memory and then seeing, ah actually i see the relevance of this and then the moment i do that i notice how there is a part of me that's holding on to the memory as to not forget and simultaneously i see the possibility of simply releasing that and then dropping it all together. And then I have an ongoing process of inquiry about, hmm, is there a place in, you could say, maintaining or holding on to that, that memory or that thought or that question that I had as a host? Um, yeah. No? What would you say on that?
1: a good question <laughs> you know, right right cuz it, cuz it's, it's like you you're wanting to do something you have you have a job here hmm. right but at the same time uh you know, i mean part of our interaction and conversation is about what is it to not have a particular agenda yeah you know so i think there's a balance you know but i also think in my own experience I just sort of let. I try not to do that. Not exactly. I try not to. It's more like I can be aware of that, and just don't pay attention to it. And the, you know, the the questions really can show up on their own, again, or in a little bit different form. But I'm not saying there's no place for that too. You know, of course, there's some place in our mind. I mean, there's a there's a balance. There's a balance in our uh, human lives that, um you know, so we grow with a conditioned uh, ego based in memory and functioning, and it's good to function well and it's bad to function badly and, you know, all of that. And then we also might discover, you know, our deeper nature, as we say, or um the possibility of just forgetting everything and completely trusting that the next question might come um just moving around in our space our home uh or driving around town for instance you know if you you know you're supposed to go somewhere you want to go somewhere I'm going to go to the grocery store. I know what things I'm going to buy at the grocery store, but most of that can happen without even thinking about it by now, you know? And so moving from one place to another, we can be much less burdened by like somehow revving up our cranium, uh, to functioning than actually we need to. You know what I mean by that?
0: I do know what you mean by that, yeah.
1: And so would we call that balance? Um, I think we'd call that like a a kind of uh, remembering or a kind of letting go and a kind of exploration uh, at some point, you know? Just to be aware of those things, and over time, and I'm saying after many, many, many years, really, um,
2: mm.
1: is the time frame in which we uh, might learn to move really naturally, mm. not driven by um, our thought process or or, our sense of I need to be doing this or that. Well, a very, 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 very long, long thing, a long time frame, at least for me.
0: Yeah, I can say that. It brings in the question of the doer, who is the doer, you know, the question of non doing and you could say the modus of operandi where where are one coming from where 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 are where is one located in one's own beingness Mm -hmm.
1: Uh,
0: and i also wanna i I really hear you in saying that it it, it's a it's a real process of you could say arriving in a space or in oneself or (laughs) you know we're using words here where where functioning is happening on his own accord without anyone meddling with it and then there is this open-ended exploration that is taking place by simply embodying the experience as it unfolds Uh, that's how i understand you Um, Mm -hmm. and that experience can be anything any any dimension of 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 being any dimension of essence and and any aspect of essence or that ego activity may may be happening without there being a a latching on to it or and if the latching on is happening then there is also an meta awareness of that taking place so there is a mental detachment in a healthy way from the content of experience and i would also Say that there is a very deep level of trust um, that is so intrinsic that is not even formulated. It's it's a it's such a surrender, a soul a surrender to to the logos or to the universal unfolding in such a way that things simply happen uh, without yeah. there being this fundamental mistrust or a fundamental agenda in the soul. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm remembering a, a, another time
1: where um, I realized something. You know, on this question of balance, we're we're describing. A lot of the time, I think we we just um, are habitually operating. And believing we're habitually operating according to history and what the world wants or needs, um, when actually we might be really coming from no place, as we were discussing earlier, but still functioning, being not here but also completely here. Right. I. 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 I that was one that really. St- out and so I mentioned that sometimes in even in my teaching because I think people people get that uh, they get a sense of it. so it's another example of that one time that I realized but I only realized it because it, it happened and I also I'll say I only noticed it because I'm interested in recognizing you know things of this kind. So I'm sitting here, it was a very, this very desk, it's probably 20, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, and I was engaged in taxes. And I was working on numbers and a spreadsheet and so on. And so I was really, really in it. And i would say I was engrossed in it where one might from the outside assume that you're just you're doing something from history that you know it's just what anybody will do um that everyone will do you know various times um but then someone showed up at my house for their session and i had forgotten about that person coming um which happens very occasionally, but it happened. and you know. So the usual thing might be to go, oh, you know, I made a mistake, or you know, to somehow, you know, was was I doing an ego-based thing of running numbers um, or not? But the person stuck their head around the corner. They just kind of they come into the house, open the door. You know, no bell or anything. They just know they're coming. I just kind of looked up, right? oh, and then okay you, you know so no reaction no feeling of something wrong or bad happened here so then that helped me to see um i'm really just i'm doing something that's a real world thing but i'm just being sort of guided in doing it wasn't, wasn't really me doing it in the usual sense does that make sense? That, that's sort of like, and so that felt sort of like a, similar to what I was talking about earlier that you know, we can function really well
2: yeah.
1: and not have to be focused on functioning, not have to be thinking, oh, I need, I got to get this right, and so on. In other words, all that was happening is a detailed, you know, set of numbers and things to keep straight.
0: Um, yeah, wh- what I hear you saying is, uh, or what comes to me is that sense of not having a fixation, and not not running a narrative in the background about what should happen, what what ought to happen. And so there is a, there is an intrinsic kind of freedom uh, that I hear coming through when you speak about that experience. Yeah
1: well that's what it yes that's that's good how you put it you you're catching it better than i said it actually Mm -hmm. but there's a kind of freedom in it it wasn't i have to be doing this
2: yeah
1: well there was the freedom in it and then you know someone comes and says oh okay and then you know you realize oh i forgot or something but there's no even thought about i forgot yeah Mm
0: I feel a a lot of beauty uh, hearing that, actually, (laughs) rising in my heart. And there is such such an intrinsic goodness uh, that I become aware of when you share your experience. And it has to do with (sighs) the absence of that very tight sense of seriousness, <laughs> that, yeah. because i feel that there's an absence of that in in what you're sharing and there is such a genuine innate lovingness and and, a, and an innate goodness that that is intrinsic with that freedom you mm-hmm. know? and and that that was saturating or saturates the field itself so that everything can simply unfold with that sense of lightness and in that there is such an exquisite beauty yeah
1: yeah yeah everything, everything much more beautiful and uh, free unencumbered simple. Um,
0: yeah
1: yeah it's how reality is very, very simple. very simple even the bad things that happen you know the storms that or the earthquakes that bury people there's a kind of a simplicity to that yeah. and, a, and a, just a reality to that, mm. which of course is is terrible. We never want to see suffering happen. But it does happen. Natural disasters happen. But there is a kind of just sim- simplicity to it. And I'm going to stop short of saying beauty to it, mm. right? Because... How do you how do you navigate the, the 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 depth of suffering and people losing their kids and parents and all of it? But at the same time, if you pull our lens back, uh, sort of, uh, to a larger view, you say, "Oh, these are things that happen." Mm. You know. Um,
0: what what comes up for me as we speak about this is this reconciliation or the seeing of mm, like I feel one aspect that is present is the is the yellow aspect in the in the form of lightness, that there is a sense of lightness, a fundamental sense of lightness and a recognition of the inevitability of life, the happenings of life. Also on the whole spectrum of the human experience right mm-hmm. and that, there can be such a detached sense of freedom and then you also bring in the the aspect of compassion of concern of consideration of of you know when when if someone suffers uh, losing a friend to an earthquake the the amount of suffering that can be in that oh. um And I also know, notice nowadays, particularly within spiritual um, teachings and also spiritual discourse, there's a, there is there in, in in today's age there is a lot of emphasis on compassion, for instance, consideration, and also how. Uh, I feel it also brings in the notion of narcissism, grandiosities, being self-serving as opposed to being considerate and kind and, and, and all of that. Yes. How do you see um, our limitations as human beings in the context of you know that that we can't choose how we respond to to events in the sense that response is something natural that that comes in the moment yes. and, and some pi- people might say you know i mean in that situation you should be compassionate we're at the funeral you should be you should be sad or you should be this way or the other i feel that you know there is a nuance to that perspective um and which which also can bring in the superego on on very deep levels in terms of oh you should be compassionate that's a spiritual way of being or else you are a grandiose grandiose spiritual being do you see do you see the what what i'm what i'm talking about here well i, I think so yeah. i
1: mean um well the, of course the most important thing is to simply be aware of where you are um, aware of what what are you manifesting you know um, and that's one way in which the map we have is is very very helpful we, we, we start to understand what is it to have a, a self-centered perspective um, i mean the idea i should be compassionate um, will tend to make one be compassionate, do something to be compassionate, but it will make them uh, them doing it, you see, rather than it just arising. Um, so be, understanding where you are, feeling and knowing that, oh, I feel I should be doing something or other, you know, that should always catch our attention and we're just going kind to of stop, you know. When you catch that, it means you 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 are occupying where you are, you're awake to and interested in. Is this is where, you know, is it your mind that's recognizing that? Your heart is recognizing that? What's recognizing that? I think it's a combination of things. I don't like to pin it down and say, oh, it's this or it's that. But there's something that's awake to it and is impacted by seeing that. And then you kind of stop. And then you see, okay, if I stop, what what what, what might happen more naturally, mm. you know? And what it might do is, it, it might make you make us be not so much, um, let's say, compassionate in a way that's, "Oh, I want to help you and fix that," um, or instead, we might just simply be with that person and let naturally happen what will happen in terms of compassion. You know the difference of those. We talk about those. It's part of the teaching, you know, the the, the personalities form of compassions to try to fix and I should help and right. Whereas really if you with somebody suffering, it's more to feel their suffering with them, share it. Uh you know, which might bring you to do something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But people always feel met by somebody who's more quiet than somebody who's bringing them cakes and pastries and so on. You know, I mean, that's just one thing that your description, you know, brought me to.
0: Yeah. what it evokes for me, what you're speaking about, is the is the level of maturity that is required to be a truly authentic and free, freely flowing human being. Because within our society, there's so many ideals. Also within spiritual communities, ideal way of being. You know, this is how you should be, uh, which is connects to the superego. Uh, yeah. So to show up in a way that is authentic, where one is really in a I mean, you also bring in a, in in a dimension that is transcendent to the doer or transcendent to the content of experience, because there is that meta awareness that is continuously exploring its own experience of life as unfolding.
1: and I'll say that, that the meta awareness is what develops more and more over time, after hundreds of instances of Understanding oneself, and there, you know. So, like you said, in a spiritual community, oh, I should be more uh, aware, or I should be more present, or right, I should be this, I should be whatever. Just recognizing that, right? Yeah. There is a place for um, aspiring to something and wanting to change kind of our reactivity our habitual responses and so on so there is a wish for that and and we do apply will in some sense to you know to doing that but it takes a long time then you see the meta-awareness as you nicely articulated it is is the one that's unattached really um and I would say that for most of us, the more we we uh, want to develop in that meta-awareness is to engage it and to realize, you know, our meta-awareness is always aware when, okay, there I go. I'm reacting that particular way again. There it is again. There it is again. But each time, and now we get back to the question of private sessions, for instance, mm. that's a place where somebody can say, And they're less likely to say it in a a small group in public way, you know, boy, you know, I just keep doing this thing over and over and over again. In other words, we can easily uh, share places where we just feel like totally flummoxed and, you know, unable to get past certain things. And there with a teacher who knows you, again, again, the advantage, because it's somebody who'd known you for a long time they will have some kind of meta-awareness of you yeah. that will, you know, uh, give rise to, I don't want to say the right question, but I mean, because, you know, it's not a good way to think of it, but but rise to the organic question, really, of what, what might be happening to, to open it up a little more. You know, so then sort of speaking to the long-term um, nature of working with our you know familiar self and working with it with someone who really knows your familiar self and really gets to know you more and more over time so but also things can happen quickly too I'm not saying only only are there you know I'm saying though that the, over time it's a long time really for our uh, familiar, usual self to, um, you know, be less in control. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And, And you mentioned there, so we have the meta awareness, which is in some sense, an unchanging phenomenon, that is always aware yet at the same time with from this dimension of this meta awareness, there is dynamism in the sense that there is recognition, there is understanding that takes place, there is uh, interest, uh, different aspects of essence can manifest and so forth. And then you also spoke about aspiration. I notice in myself, and also I I, I can ima- imagine in, in a lot of young people that are in the, the earlier stages of life, there can be a lot of drive to to evolve to grow to develop yeah um how do you see that force that drive and and what place does it have in 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 life in general and also how would you say that that drive is still there for you
1: yeah um Yeah, so I mean, early in life, as you say, we're in our twenties. We're we we're, we're, we're really still discovering what what we are on the ego level. People people are finding out more what they like, what they don't like, and who they like, and what they're capable of, and what their capacities are, and so that's such a rich time and. Parenthetically, now I'm sad for the current uh, generations of people who have been impacted by um, COVID, um, in terms of it keeping people apart. When you're in your 20s, you need to be interacting. That's how that's how we're developing and learning what what we are and what we have and what we can do and all of that business. And then there's the whole question of interaction through devices which is uh, our you know computers and phones which we didn't have uh, you know when i was in my former years either but so i think that also impacts you know our uh, explorations and, and discovery because it's, it's in some sense becomes a little less personal you know the interaction through devices and computers and so on and i also allow that my particular um, history that way might tend to miss great advantages to those things. In fact, I'm, I'm going off on tangents now, I realize, but this latest uh, discoveries that are coming out with artificial intelligence are stunning. Um, the, you know, the chatbot um, that you can ask to write you a, a letter and it'll do it, and then you can chat back to it and say, make it a little more personal, and it does it, and it does it really well, and then you you know, you know, do a little bit of, so these are amazingly cool new things that we have and um, I, I get kind of excited about, partly because I've got uh, kids who are in that phase now, you know, um, my kids were born later in life for me, and so but it's an exciting thing to watch, and it makes me more interested in all of that stuff. Yeah, I think I took a side trip from your question.
0: Yeah. So my question is: Do you f- still feel a drive towards development, towards more refinement, that you're actually and and actualizing more of your potential in a, in a personal way?
1: I don't feel it in the same way. As I did in the beginning, um, and I think some of that is situational. Um, in the early days of the school and the development, my relationship with Hamid, let's say, um, there was a lot of dedication. It was a brand new thing. We it was like a brand new world really. We are discovering um, lots of unknown, and so that was really um intense and fiery for 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 a very long time other things came into the ones i would say my sphere of influence let's say i wanted to teach i wanted to share this with other people and that takes time it takes energy it takes organizational skills it takes taking risks Um, so, you know, within six or seven years really of starting with Amit, I started teaching in other places. I I, I was sort of, um, I, I was entrepreneurial. I was also wanting to do good and wanting to, you know, appear good and, you know, oh, I can teach this. And so, you know, that was part of that whole period of time Um, so that wasn't in its nature the purity of just developing my own um, various frontiers of right because I was just I won't say distracted by but engaged in doing a lot for that going to Europe was a big transition right around 1990 I think and and so for several years, we were just doing that, going to Europe, teaching in, in, in Germany and so on, and getting things going there. And then I had kids, starting in 1998, um, and that was a, um, that was something I dearly wanted to do, and really paid a lot of attention to. Um, and so, in some ways, that um, it's not about distractions. It's more about you have multiple things you love. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet, I won't say, oh, I stopped caring about developing my personal perspective. No, I learned a ton by in through having kids. Actually, um, I've learned a lot about many many things not just about love and paying attention and doing good things and so on we we developed many friendships through the parents of other kids in the school Not, not in the school outside of the school and when i say in the school i mean the schools that our kids attended yeah my kid was an athlete i was at his or her events and meeting parents and so that really broadened in a large way my um, um, I don't want to just say friend group but um, context um, yeah and all the tremendous amount of learning from that because you know there's a there's a tendency maybe to kind of focus on the the group where you' are, your spiritual group, and in the beginning, it was much more that all my friends, everybody I interacted with, were part of this school, and we're doing this together, and we're developing the enterprise. I remember early on, I used to call it the enterprise. This is <laughs> this, this work we're doing. It's the enterprise, and of course, there was the play on the Starship Enterprise. Uh. And then, of course, Hamid was very much of a Trekkie guy, so the, the the enterprise. We're doing that, you know. Yeah. I still. I still kind of feel that way. Yeah, because we are trying to uh, navigate a ship of yeah. sorts. That's a, an embodiment or a, a structure, a a vehicle through which the teaching that we so know and love can happen.
0: Um, can I ask a question I, on that? Yeah, yeah. So it's clear that. Um, many of the senior teachers, the first teachers and students of the down approach are growing older, yes, arriving in their seventies, eighties, and so forth. Where do you see the teaching going this spaceship going over the next 10, 20, 30 years?
1: Yeah, I love the question. it's of course, something I I think about every day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's true that we are aging, um, and we will disappear. As one of my friends put it, he said there's a, a big a big die-off coming, you know, of the original people who were engaged with the, with the school. Um and I would say the nature of it has changed over time, has become uh uh sizable complex organization many challenges um having to do mostly with just changes in our culture and computer science and how does one let people know about what we do Um, that's an area that i'm dealing with now in boulder um, because uh, the, the Colorado school is, is a shared directorship between myself and, and another teacher in the school. And she has everything from the Diamond Heart 7 to the back in time. And my job involves, um, um, I think it was 8 and back, just Diamond Heart 9 and forward, meaning... What's going to happen in the future? So that's why I think about it every day. Um, and for a long time, actually, and I've been director of that for, for a few years, it was all interrupted by the COVID because nobody knew what the hell we're going to do. Uh, COVID and then the fire and so on. So now all of a sudden, having a new building, it's much more, you know, on my mind. But I've always been thinking about what's the, what's the future. Um so one thing, well, first of all, let's just start with the basics. I think that the teaching um, is so solid, um, and it's solid in its um, in its just in its nature, in the fact that that what it is is what actually we are, everyone is even though we don't know it day to day the more we're just engaged with uh with things in the usual way right so so the depth of the teaching the power of the teaching the what's available through it uh, is just totally unassailable i think the difficulty is will the teachers be good in the future will the will the, will the teachers um embody and really understand enough of it to you know continue it mm. um, i'm not expressing uh concern or 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 doubt about that i'm just saying i don't really know yeah you know because obviously with Hamid's means understanding and knowledge and depth and so on where he comes from not everyone does and so we need to have you know vesicles of human souls that can uh, know that source deeply enough to continue transmitting it, continue teaching it. So that's one thing. But then there's also changes in the culture. Um, One of the things we're addressing here in Colorado is that we we know that we need younger people to be engaged. each time a new teacher training has started over the years uh, i think the the demographic the age average the median age has increased you see because it's sort of an aging population in the school we have not gotten as many young people coming in as i think is important
2: yeah
1: so we're going to do something about that one thing we're going to do is there's a a person in the mid-region group that i'm also part of who understands a lot about um focus groups you know what focus groups are do you have that terminology where you are Yeah. if you want to sell something from from business if you want to if you want to sell something you have a widget you have a, a new kitchen sponge you know um you bring in people from the demographic who are likely to buy it and you ask them about it what would you like it to have how would it work what's what's best for for okay, this particular thing? and based on what people say oh you make it orange instead of green or whatever because people are telling you what their market wants yeah we're going to do you know something that has that underlying principle by doing focus group with younger people like you yeah, but not necessarily you. Although I might actually want to invite you to that, or and whoever else. And that was why I wrote to you actually uh, a few weeks ago about this question.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So maybe I even mentioned this whole thing to you. But but I don't think I probably said anything about the focus group part. Anyway, we'll have people come. Uh, our newest Diamond Heart group here in Colorado has a handful of people who are young. That's kind of new. Mm. In the early days in 1970, 70s, we were all in our twenties. Everybody. It might have been somebody in their 30s or early 40s. There were some who we were a little bit older, you know, but mostly we were pretty young. Can I say the exponential growth was crazy? It was so yeah. so, good. so good. Um and we had the energy we were gonna develop this, and my entrepreneurial going to Chicago and going to Charlottesville and going to and then ultimately Boston, which ended up being the um, the most um, traction group that started go ahead.
0: So one thing that comes to me then is it's it's one I think is one factor that comes to me is that young attracts young and old attracts old. <laughs> I think yeah. that there is a real thing to that, because if you look at it in the beginning, Hamid was in his late twenties, early thirties. So he he's two years older than me. Exactly. So obviously he will attract a lot of young people, um, into that mix and, and some older people who are, you know, turned on and, and so forth while now, The majority of teachers are in their later years, which again attracts older generation people who have a particular set of interests, particular culture. Um, And for me personally, I notice in myself that I want to to dive into the teaching as deeply as I can, meaning... I want to absorb. I I feel that my soul is hungry for the deepest teachings in in this school, right? I'm I'm super curious and I'm available for it. I I, I feel that in you
1: as we're yeah. talking, we recognize that,
0: yes. And and one limitation that I'm confronted with is that I'm a part of the Diamond Heart Online group, which is one to two years into the teaching. So I, for instance, I can't attend the eindhoven as similar retreats because i'm not eligible for instance so yeah that has not yet right but that has been a bit saddening for me because my soul really wants to be there my heart really wants to be there um for example and i would like to increase my engagement with the teaching because i love it so much i see the brilliance of it i see the robustness of it i see how rigorous it is and and i want to participate in that yet some of the restrictions hinders me from engaging even more and accessing parts of the teaching that i feel would be very stimulating to me Um, and another example is um, right now i know there is a a dive program happening and also a, a teacher training coming up and i don't know if i will be eligible for it even though my soul wants to be there not primarily only to become a teacher, but I feel that becoming a teacher will also allow me to go deeper into the teaching. So for me, this is the primary orientation that I have. Yeah. So that that just came up spontaneously while we were speaking about it because I can just speak from my own personal experience here.
1: Well, uh, you're, you're absolutely right that the, the, the older in us tend to tend to attract the older people. We need young people. We need young teachers. We have we have we have some, yeah. We have some. I will say rising stars here and there. People who who are going to be able to attract younger people. I, I I I do trust in that, and that comes back to your question about okay, how do I see the future? Um, and I think it does depend on young people, and so we have some we have some of that, not enough yet.
0: So right? so what would would be your story?
1: All, all people will. Uh, in fact, you you will know some of them, I'm sure already. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a bright spot for the future, because again, it depends a lot on the teacher really knowing. and 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 when I say knowing, I mean really embodying and understanding, but also coming from a place that they are able to articulate. Um, and transmit to actually the the sense of the depth of the teaching has to be that.
0: Okay, I, I hear you, hundred percent. For me, that makes complete sense, and the level of embodiment. Um, but what would you like? What is your response to my particular situation uh, in terms of how you view it and and the structures that's been in place that's developed and been yeah. I, I,
1: I think we will. Well, I'll say I hope. To whatever extent I'm engaged, still, yeah. Yeah. I will, I will, I will find you. I will find people. I will be looking for people. I will be supporting people. I will be a champion for people who have the kind, that kind of interest. And presumably, hopefully, we'll find structures that make it more and more possible for people to really do what they want to do. You, you just happened to get in recently. You see. Yeah. Um, and but I think this I'll just say Wazi, well, there's a there's a lot of runway yeah. for you. But that would you be know. the case
0: but, for, for most young for, people.
1: First of all, you have a lot of time. Yeah. Well, I don't know if actually if you have you have a lot of time, lifetime coming, you know, God willing, as we say. Yeah. But but also, you know, you have you have the wish and the love to do it. So, you know, the, that will work for you, I'm sure. There might be structures. That are current yeah well, structures can change you know
0: yeah so so one another thing that comes to me on this is because i have i i i, I have an int- or a sense of people that i young people in my environment uh that are also in the school where i feel i can see their potential i can see how they're really curious and engaged and one thing that comes to me when we speak about this and one thing that I would like is, is like how the school recognize that and really invests in those people that they really lend out a hand and say, come, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you on this journey to really uh, the resources that is contained within the senior teachers for that to also come into the young people. Because I know a lot of the senior teachers now, they don't take on new students, for instance, I know one young human being in her his early 20s, he, he, he requested or he wanted to work with one of the senior teachers, but then usually the answer is they're not available because they're working with the people that they've always been working with. So, so that's another consideration that comes to me, like where's the linkage between the older generation and the young generation and how's the balance there so that also you know the people with the highest level of embodiment are also connected with the youngest youngest crowd so that that transmission can happen directly. that is a
1: great point that is a really great 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 point and it's partly why i wrote to you you see i started investigating what we call the youth council here in colorado it was here in the us it wasn't just colorado um and then Because I, and I remember having a a meeting with them at some point several years ago, I think I mentioned to you. And then I was told that that kind of not as much was happening, at least according to one person who had been part of it. They said, Oh, in Europe. And then because I'd seen, I I had the sense, I I knew that you were younger. I didn't know you were in DHR1, but um, that's why I wrote to you. Yeah. Somebody must have tipped me off that you were part of that in Europe. So that's why I wrote to you. So you know, the focus group thing is exactly for that. You see? Yeah. I, I want to bring together people, whether they're in Europe or here, we are just in the process of putting that together. So one thing I will ask of you yeah. is if you could let me know, give me send me a list of names and email addresses and of people who are younger who we could include in such a focus group. Yeah. One of the things that uh, Will we'll be we need to be open to is changes of how we do groups, how we teach. For instance, it could be that we find out. And again, I'm I'm fully open to recognizing. I don't know what we're going to find, you know. But I would like to put you all in a room, and uh, there is a woman I think I started to mention in the mid region group here who knows how to run focus groups and she's she'll talk with you all yeah. and she'll ask you the right questions and then we'll find out, oh, turns out we really should have groups that are on Tuesday and Thursday nights or something. You know, the, the tradition has been a weekend. Not just the weekends that you're doing in DHR1, but a full weekend. So you had to commit to Saturday and Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. And now many of us were adding Friday night. So So we have this, you know, focused work for five days or a few days, and then there are five day retreats and all these formats that I'm sure you're aware of, and you probably and you could do, right? But the but DHO one is done the way it's done because so people in Europe can be part of it because you're asleep when it's uh, two in the afternoon here. Sure, for sure, Um, And, and 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 yeah. But but anyway, so we need to we need to do that. We need to, yeah. we need to find out what's going to work best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, I would like to. You know, one of one of my thoughts actually is that I'm going to I'm going to slow down teaching meetings. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, at some point I'll just have to. But but I, I think I'm starting to entertain intentionally doing that and doing more private sessions with people and not um, having it just be people I worked with forever. Yeah. So that goes directly to your question. And I agree with you. The younger people need to have some context of working with some of the older teachers. Now, whether that would happen in a only in a private session context, it's possible. It's one option. There might also appear the importance of doing something new for people in your demographic of interest in youth and so on where we do some kind of group interactions or mentoring or yeah uh, any possible answering questions bringing the perspective because i know that i have a a, a kind of a, i'm going to say by now baked in perspective of the work not baked in ego perspective i'm not saying that's gone but you know that I have knowledge and understanding. That it'll be good to be able to share. Yeah. So I want to. I think. I think all of the older teachers, and so that's one of the things I'm doing here is is talking to the older teachers here about this. We're going to start having them do like a monthly presentation here. So let's say if we needed 12 people for one year to do those. Around here, we have enough people that one person, each person, would just do something once a year. So that's not burdensome for somebody who's in uh, sort of a pulling back slash retirement kind of mode, right? So I'm trying to organize it in a way that those people can do something, but it's not too much.
0: Things like that. I hear you. So, which I think is great, and for me, the the main reflection that comes to me is like investing in the young generation, and with resources, with time, with consideration, with t- yeah, yeah, energy. That's that's what comes to me, and I really believe that will, you know, accelerate the young people's development, and mm-hmm. also it will make them feel valued and seen within the context of the school. Uh, yeah. That's just what comes to
1: me. <laughs> I well, I, 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 I love that perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that that needs to happen. I, I, I remember that, that the youth council here in the U.S. One impression I had of it, and again, it's like six, maybe five, six, seven years ago. Um, mm-hmm. they were also a little reticent to have older teachers engaged with them in a certain way. They, they they were kind of feeling like, no, 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 we got to kind of stick together here. And they didn't want the influence of these parental figures or something. There was There was some kind of a thing like that. I don't know exactly what it was, but I remember it was the person who invited me into that one meeting I had with them had said, well, they don't really want to have much, you know, influence from the old, you know, it was, it was sort of like some kind of parental oversight. I think it was at a time when hierarchy in the school was uh, being recognized and resisted and so on. And, you know, so I'm I'm enlivened by your representing that, you know, you guys, I'm saying you guys generally. Would like that and I think that's probably one of the most important functions we have of our the older generation of teachers
0: yeah and the vision that comes to me is that if 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 that was made possible that the the wisdom of the elders was transmitted effectively to the youngers then the young generation would accelerate you could say their process and thereby teach you know become and embody the teaching to a higher degree earlier which again would lead to uh, attracting more young people so it yes. would be a positive cycle there yes I love yeah. it yeah so this is well, what com- what's coming for me for you. right. me yeah.
1: no, you're, you're, you're on it you're, you're, I like I like how you think and how you feel and how you how you not just think and feel but how I feel your sincerity. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I appreciate it. And that's one element, or one you know, one element that's just so important that yeah. we're doing it to to share. Yeah. We're doing it out of love, but also out of great curiosity and where, what is this actually? You know, so yeah. I'll keep me in mind, you know. If there, if there are people there, you feel they want to do something, um, you know. I'm,
0: You're available.
1: I'm all about it. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. And and yeah. and, and and actually, on this note, I feel it's relevant to talk about is. <sighs> Um, because we, we speak about structures. some Sometimes things that can hinder development is, for instance, outdated structures. So structure that serve a function for a certain period of time, and then they become, then, then they haven't renewed so yeah. that they actually hinder growth because they haven't been updated. The software hasn't been updated or the hardware has, hasn't yeah. been updated. So yeah. I, I feel really feel that is an issue thoroughly important uh, aspect of this yeah
1: So i'm a bit structure averse myself yeah um there there are structures that are support and do something and then i suppose structures that outlive their usefulness
0: yeah and also this is coming up for the first time as directly as it is with a teacher for me now this is the first time it's emerging with so uh, so directly right. that it's doing right now so but i reckon maybe having another meeting where i can talk about some of the other things that's that i have in mind that i also know that some of the other people in the youth council uh f- feel themselves so that we can you know allocate some time to really going into that in that, the- that would be great i would love to do that okay yeah so i, I suggest we do that um okay. yeah you just let me know Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And I, I'm very re- very happy to have connected with you and I, I really hear your sentiment for this and, and that you have a genuine, you genuinely care about this movement and, and that you have a lot of generosity for mm-hmm. for this next phase of, of the school's development. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It means a lot to me.
1: I mean, it's been most most of my life. I, I, yeah. yeah started in a career as a science guy and pretty soon this
0: is all i've done for most of the time yeah it's amazing so can i ask you where do you find yourself right in this moment right now yeah
1: i'm i'm very happy talking to you Hmm. um i am sharing with you in the excitement and love and respect actually you are bringing and have for the teaching and the history of it and you know your interest in me and my uh you know contribution and so on i mean i'm very 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 much appreciating that and so right now i'm mostly immersed in that in a kind of uh It's not just excitement, it's um, it's appreciation. Uh, it, as we speak, uh, I become more settled, actually, because um, if I may say, um, I feel uh, you in in particular, um, to be, a bright spot really in the future uh, for the school and i'm not saying just you personally i don't know you ins and outs of Wazi, right but i i i am aware of your uh in, intelligence and your heart um for it all and then but i'm also connecting you with other people you've alluded to who are also younger and in your area. And so I feel um, kind of uh, you see hope isn't exactly the right word because hope implies there was hopeless or something you know but the a sense of optimism let's say. I feel I feel optimistic for the future because I don't normally interact with people of your age who have the kind of uh, recognition, let's say, of of what this is, Mm. clearly informs your questions and your interests. Mm. Whether you're asking about this moment, that's what's here, this moment.
0: Mm. And what comes up for me as you speak this, I'm really in resonance and in deep touch with that sense of recognition which I feel that we're both sharing in that moment and uh, I feel what comes to me I feel us to be in a cathedral actually where Mm -hmm. there is such a deep reverence for the teaching and for the um I mean it's such a it's such a uh, incomprehensible uh level of intelligence, refinement. Um I can't really find the word for it. <laughs> like the, the the seeing, and I really feel that in you as well. I mean, having been on the path for 50 years, exploring this territory within the lens of the diamond approach, and then having your whole life being transformed through the path, the diamond path, the jeweled path, and then I can imagine what that will do to a soul in terms of maturing the heart and, and maturing that sense of recognition of seeing the the incomprehensible value that this teaching uh, brings to humanity in this Mm -hmm. very special time of of great difficulty.
1: Mm -hmm. mostly relaxes the soul, I'll say, in such a way that um, we can just feel the central preciousness of Mm-hmm. not just of the the teaching you say cathedral cathedrals a big a big thing it's a big structure you know for our usual mind but you didn't mean it as a small cathedral I know mm. or like like a kind of ineffable space that um as a um sort of mind quieting stillness to it but but not just that like the mind quieting stillness same uh, time, time allows for full potential mm-hmm. of everything and anything while the everything and anything still just remain as quiet Right? But there and possible, you know, somehow known in a way that's not your mind knowing it. You know what is that to to know there's potential, like there's there's everything, and at the same time nothing. Mm-hmm everything and nothing at once the same breath. Yeah. You know, you recognize that. And that, right. So those are the kind of mysteries that are so exciting in a way to mm.
0: discover. Definitely. Yeah, I notice how my soul also lights up with that discovery and that recognition, and it it also connects me with this view how I see the diamond approach as the explorer's path. I mean, it's really a path for explorers. People want to want to explore reality, and 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 when we consider the the archetype of the explorer, uh, some of the primary elements to that is curiosity, interest, adventure. Um, it's not about uh, getting somewhere. This it's a genuine love for for truth and 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 all of that. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There, there isn't expectation. There, there isn't preconception about what you're gonna find if you're really an explorer.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know? And and that's what science is about. When when I was when I first met him, I mean, that's what I was. I was exploring. I was exploring the nature of a certain immunologic phenomenon. You know, um, that, you know, you, you just, you, you can have all kinds of knowledge and understanding about how that whole system works and all the different types of cells and molecules and all that kind of stuff, but you still, you, you, you have to stay with the mind that you just don't know what you're going to find.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you really don't. You have to be open to the, to surprise. You know, and in fact, that's one of the things they say. You say to a young scientist, you know, you know, careful with your predictions, because if you have predictions of how this is going to go, that will push you in the direction of designing your experiment, such that your prediction, your brilliant mind is, you know, you think you have your brilliant mind. You see your prediction of what this is going to show us. You could easily design your experiments to show it. And then it's like, oh, look at me. I knew what this was going to be. You can't do that. Mm. That's, and that comes back to what your first question about um, the private sessions and the value of a private session. And when I was talking to you about how I feel the best way to prepare a student for exploring themselves is to tell them, don't have any idea. We don't know what's going to happen here. You don't go overboard with that with somebody because they'll think you could think you're a little nutty. But to have the person and just say, no, so you'll sort of just lie down on your back and we'll just have you breathe a little bit, you know, and let's we'll see what happens. And I'll tell them, it's good to get out of your vertical perspective. The vertical perspective is more our thinking mind and, predictive mind and all of that. The horizontal perspective it helps to sort of you're nudging the person a little bit to being open to, okay, hmm, what am I going to find? Yeah. yeah,
0: full circle.
1: And I know that in spite of the fact that we have this very detailed, um, I'm calling it map, but you know, of how the mind works and how reality is, and how uh, our mind's uh, tendency to navigate through things based on history, mm-hmm. you know, can be explored and and brought out, such that. We remove those obstacles of familiar history and assumption and discover things that we wouldn't necessarily think of. We couldn't think of. And yet, at the same time, we recognize them when they show up. You notice that?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yet at the same time.
1: It's like all you got to do is say to somebody, okay, we're studying compassion here. And make a distinction between the usual compassion, where people think they're being helpful, and they're saying, "Oh, you're feeling okay, and oh, let me get, let me do this for you, and do this for you," blah, 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 versus, "Okay, I'm just going to sit here with you for a few minutes." Yeah. Everyone who you know got a little tiny bit of awakeness recognizes that distinction, and so it's not like you're going, "Oh yeah, compassion. That's 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 a really spiritual thing," you know. Actually, what seems to be spiritual in that sense is not, you you won't call it spiritual. I mean, we call it that because it's something people don't usually experience. Mm. So it's spiritual in the sense it's outside of normal, uh, familiar functioning. And yet, when you find it, then you go, oh, of course. But then it also we'll have a sense of uh, specialness to it, you know. Mm. But it's outside of the habitual. And also just the right thing. Just, for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so precious. Same with all of those qualities. Same with the will. We think, oh, I'm going to do it. And then you, somehow you find out at some point Jesus, it all just kind of happens on its own. Mm. Everything I'm trying to make happen and I'm struggling with and I'm pushing and yeah, just let go. Thing can happen on their own. You wouldn't think of that, but when you actually learn that, it's like, oh, of course.
0: I'm aware that we're coming up to two hours now. We are, yeah. Okay. And you have something on, right?
1: Oh, I delayed something.
0: Yeah, wonderful, thank you. Um, But I feel this is a wonderful place to round off the episode just to keep in time. Sure. I wanna thank you, Duncan, for coming on. I was so much looking forward to meeting you. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I really appreciate your journey and, and the wisdom and the knowledge that you share with us.
1: Yeah, I wanna thank you too for putting this together. Mm, thank it, you. It, I think it's a really good service um, you know for, for many reasons and so I'm just really appreciating that and, and you and I look forward to talking with you more when uh, you, you feel the time is right
0: mm, definitely I feel
1: that I'm happy to do that I'd love to assist in any way I might mm, thank you